0: Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Good evening, everybody, and welcome to another exciting night of NBA basketball. With the first pick, the Detroit Pistons select Cade Cunningham from Oklahoma State University. Chandler again. Oh, what a block by Max Seal! are digging in. They got the depth. They got the big man. They got the better
1: basketball team. No doubt about it. There's Jaden playing the passing lane. Sky's a jam.
0: Dynamite dunk, and The crowd loves it. This can D to three, and they have just other three seconds to do it. Here's Chauncey Phillips. Here it is.
2: Pistons fans, welcome back to another edition of the Palace Business Podcast, part of the Believe Network. I'm your host, Mike Angolano. Joining me on NBA Opening Week are Aaron Johnson and Jasper Apollonia. fellas. We made it through a full off season, and now we're back to the regular season. How are we feeling after Game One of the 2023-2024 Pistons season?
0: We're very thankful that basketball is back. Uh, it's it's always tough once you get to, like, you know, the season ends, the regular season ends, you have the playoffs. The playoffs end, you have the draft. The draft ends, you have summer league. You have summer league, you get to free agency. And after free agency is when you're, like, if you're a basketball sicko and you want basketball year-round, that's where it ends usually. And you're you're two months away, two, months, two, th- two, three months away from having basketball back. We finally got it back well worth the wait Uh, just across the board the nba slate loved the opening night games um obviously the pistons playing last night and played a really competitive game that i know we are going to talk about in depth today so excited basketball is back excited to be here with the boys know we're gonna have a, a banger of a show
1: i i was literally sweating for the hour before the game tipped off i was so excited for last night it's one of those things i know people Sometimes in our comments section, they think that we're super negative, that we hate the team. That's not true. We love basketball. We love the Pistons, and last night was a lot of fun. I am hoping it's going to be kind of what this season's going to be like, since we don't have necessarily the highest hopes for the Pistons' record, but there were so many positives to take away from last night's game. Some negatives, some talking points. It just had it all, and You know, ultimately, the Pistons were able to make it a very, very competitive game. They had the final shot with an opportunity to win. And I think for this season, that's a lot of what we can hope for from Detroit. So last night was just, uh, it was so nice to have basketball back, guys. And I couldn't be more excited to be talking about it with you because there is just so.
2: We do have a lot to get into. But before that, we would like to thank our sponsor. For this week's episode, and that is Bet Online, and the last of the major pro sports leagues has kicked off. That's the NBA, of course, and Bet Online is your top spot for all your NBA action this season. With MLB postseason, NFL, college football, and NHL in full swing, Bet Online is your number one source for wagering news, odds, trends, and predictions. Get everything NBA at your fingertips with both desktop and mobile access for every sport, anytime. Head on over to the head on over to Bet Online. Today. Get in on get in on the action. Don't forget to use our promo code Believe B-L-E-A-V to get a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Again, that's B-L-E-A-V to receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit when you use Bet Online. Bet Online where the game starts. Let's jump right into the action uh, because we're just excited to actually have real pistons basketball back. And it was a good game, uh, unfortunately, the heat did prevail after blowing, I think, four 15 point leads. They did win 103 102, but it was made very interesting. Cade Cunningham came back, dropped 30 points on 13 of 27 shooting. We'll have plenty to talk about with him. Uh, Jay Nivey off the bench on the other side of the spectrum only had four points on one for seven shooting in 17 minutes. Asar Thompson. Uh, had five blocks, which is the, I heard this on the Heat broadcast, the most blocks by a piston in their debut, which is super qualified, but still cool. Uh, Jalen Duran had 17 and 14, another double-double. And Isaiah Stewart had 14 and 14 and killed my parlay very early on by hitting two three-pointers, uh, I believe, in the first quarter. So, guys, there's a lot uh, to sort of take away from this. Um, Marcus Sasser playing pretty well. Killian Hayes starting some of the injury stuff. James Wiseman not seeing the floor at all. Uh, And then, of course, the comeback in the fourth quarter. It looked like the Pistons were dead four times. Uh, The Heats are very good on their home court. They play a tough zone defense. They're just a a team that finds a way to win with so little. Um, But overall, I mean, if you had told me that the – Pistons would walk into Miami on the game one of the season and put themselves in a position to win in the final seconds. I I would say that's a great start to the season. Um, Aaron, I'm going to kick it to you first. Uh, just some thoughts about the Pistons' win. Maybe one thing that stood out to you the most um, in this 103 to 102 loss uh, at the hands of the, the Miami Heat.
0: Well, I think the the biggest storyline was obviously. Kate Cunningham back playing regular season, meaningful minutes of NBA basketball. At least that was in my mind. And big picture with the Pistons, Kate Cunningham is more important than anything else. Whether Isaiah Stewart's in the starting lineup, or the Pistons are playing, you know, Durin and Stewart together, or bringing Jaden Ivey off the bench, all of those things are lower on the totem pole compared to whatever Kate Cunningham is doing and where Kate Cunningham is. On the Pistons and for him to be back on the court yesterday for him to in a lineup that I, I've been quite frank about I hate for him I think it does a disservice for him for him to play as well as he did in such a bad lineup uh, he looked the part scoring from all three levels on the court was finding his guys in open spots as well he was phenomenal and It's the exact type of player the Pistons desperately missed last season. And he is the reason that the Pistons were in that game. The Pistons went down by 19 within the first couple minutes of the fourth quarter. And it was okay. That's the end of the show. It was, you know, a competitive game up until that point. But now, you know, the Pistons' luck had ran out. And Monty Williams brought Cade off the bench just a few minutes in. After that run, and Cade completely flipped the script. He was doing everything that the team needed. Now he did still have some plays defensively where I was scratching my head. It was like Cade, you know, you like you know he's capable of defending at a high level. And it just looks like there are some plays where oh, he just for some reason didn't make the play. Uh there was some sloppy ball handling, some bad passes from him, but overall, Cade Cunningham was spectacular and he is the franchise pillar. The Pistons needed him to come back and play on strong, and he came back in a big way. And, and seeing him take over in that fourth quarter and bring the Pistons back into that game, not just with his scoring, but with his defense and with his dis- distributing, I, I was just completely reminded of how good Kate Cunningham is, how important he is, and it was really refreshing to see him back on the court playing as well as he did. And I, I know people uh, were taking notice, not just in the in the Pistons community, but across the board, people were saying, checking the box score and saying, oh, look at what Cade's doing. He's back. And that's right. Cade Cunningham's back, and he came back in a big way last night.
1: I'm going to start off by talking about the team as a whole. One of the most encouraging things to me about last night's game was that the Pistons beat Miami in three out of the four quarters they played in fact they outscored Miami by 10 points in the second half which is incredibly impressive because like Aaron said they went down 19 at one point in the fourth quarter it it was an absolutely torrential comeback by Detroit but I think even more so than that the story has to be that they were in a great position to win that game had they only just been able to cut down on their turnovers in that disastrous second quarter that they lost by 14 points. If you're looking at something like that, they had 14 turnovers in the first half. In the second half, they only had two. And one of the biggest parts of that was Cade Cunningham. Like you just said, Aaron, he had three turnovers in the first half, a little sloppy with the ball. Second half, no turnovers turnovers whatsoever and for me that was such a big part of last night's game the Pistons showed not that they could be good over one quarter not that they could be good over two quarters but that they could actually win three out of the four quarters against the Miami Heat and frankly had they just not turned the ball over at an absurd pace in that second quarter they easily could have won that game they easily could have won that game and even on the last shot of the game Uh, You know, Alec Burks, was he open? Was was he being, you know, baited into into a throwaway from Killian Hayes? Who's to say it didn't really work out the way they wanted? But the Pistons put themselves into an excellent position to win that game. I think that defensively, that was a big part of it. You said Asar Thompson, five blocks most ever for a Piston on their debut. Even more so than that, Mike, it's the most blocks for any non-center in NBA History in their debut. Five blocks and not just little blocks. He blocked Bam Adebayo. He blocked Jimmy Butler twice. He looks really impressive on that end. Um, whereas Cade Cunningham looks super impressive on the offensive end. So for me, there was a lot of positives to take away from last night's game as a team. Uh, we will get more into the individual players because Isaiah Stewart, Jalen Turin, Cade Cunningham, Asar, and even to a lesser extent, Marvin Bagley and Marcus Sasser had really stand out games from my perspective as well. There was a lot of good things to take away from last night's game, even if there were a lot of negatives as well.
2: Yeah, and there were some negatives and and the turnovers were absolutely killer. They had 16 of them in the game. It led to 25 Miami points. So there is your difference. Um the Pistons had thirteen blocks as a team, and and yeah, Assar Thompson looked looked like he was like developing a handle away from being a real problem. Um, calmly and coolly stepped into a three, but Cade definitely is he is he is the clear standout. He looked very controlled throughout, getting to his mid range shots, um, driving to the basket. I, he. Had a drive, I think, in the second quarter right over Jimmy Butler that looked very controlled. He looked like a guy that maybe was operating a little bit slower than I remember, but you can't argue with 30 points, three boards, nine assists, a steal in the block. You know, he demonstrated some good defense utilizing that size, but clearly, 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 the Pistons' heliocentric star. Um, that they can build around and, and Aaron, I know the spacing around is, is not very good. And, you know, we'll talk about some of the injuries later that kind of are going to impact that for the next couple of weeks, but even without that good spacing around him, um, they still put together, you know, a a, a pretty good offensive showing. I mean, they, I mean, they erased a 14 point or they went on a 14 point run rather in like two and a half minutes, pretty quick. Um, Overall, though, Cade just clearly is the biggest takeaway in that he is back. Um, he's a most improved player candidate. If he can continue with this level of calmness and efficiency, whether the Pistons are going to put together a bunch of wins or not. but No,
1: really quickly, Mike, I wanted to interject. I, I will say it was a great performance from Cade. He, I will say especially his jump shot looked a lot more controlled and with much better elevation. That was a big thing we noticed even coming out of the draft, his rookie year. A lot of his shots came out flat. That didn't happen last night. There weren't those shots that were clanging off the back of the rim. But I will say the turnovers in the first half were not great. He has shown some sloppy handles at times. And also, you know, a lot of people were were going at the refs saying, you know, Cade took 27 shots, didn't attempt a single free throw attempt. Unfortunately, looking back at a lot of those shots, I don't really know if I saw more than one play where he really deserved to go to the free throw line. And, and that is something I think we should, while Cade looked awesome, keep our eye out on because it does still seem like he's having a little bit of problem drawing contact um, and, and with his, his handle just keeping it under control all the time as well. It is something I want to keep an eye on.
2: No, that's, that's totally fair. And, you know, a guy that has that high of a usage too, I think I just looked on cleaning the glass it was like 34%. It was a very high number that high of a usage is, is just going to make him more prone to turnovers as, as well, being, being the lead ball handler. But yeah, they were not good in the first half cleaned it up tremendously in the second half. And and that made a huge difference as the Pistons got on a couple of runs to put themselves in a position to win Jasper. I'll, I'll go right back to you. You know, we talked about the thing that stood out the most. What, what is one thing that stood out to you in a negative way, whether that be a player or a tendency. Um, cause there were definitely both sides, uh, between good and bad here. Um, we probably have similar ones between all three of us, but but what is what is a negative that you saw out of this game,
1: Mike? I was hoping you'd give me a positive because I have some other positives I'd like. Let's to start talk there. About. Let's go to well, a, sure.
2: Yeah, I'll, I'll let's go to the positive.
1: positive. I'll be the nice guy of of the Palace of Pistons podcast. I will say one big positive for me: Isaiah Stewart, Jalen Duran, and Cade Cunningham played twenty seven minutes together last night. Their net rating plus eighteen point three and even more so than that Isaiah Stewart uh his on off splits were staggering plus forty three point nine I think for us especially we've had a lot of doubts about you know the the efficiency and the efficacy of that lineup together that was incredibly positive I, I- you know the Heat are not necessarily in my opinion the best front court to judge against long term uh their backup bigs I mean Thomas Bryant they're playing basically Duncan Robinson as a power forward. That's really hard to, (laughs) if you're a team like that, and even in the starting lineup outside of Bam Adebayo, they don't really have a lot of help in that front court. So it was a very good matchup for those guys. However, that's something you absolutely want to take away as a positive. Those lineups need to be efficient. They need to be good, and especially they need to be usable on the defensive end where i believe they had a defensive rating of 95 uh which is very very positive even more so than that Isaiah Stewart and this is incredible hit the very first t- contested three of his entire career last night i'm i'm not making that up i swear to god that is via nba.com's tracking data Isaiah Stewart had never hit a three-pointer in the NBA where the closest defender was in four feet of him before last night. Uh, he sidestepped Kevin Love on a, frankly, beautiful three-point shot. It was a great move. I have to give him a lot of credit there. We have a lot of doubts about this, this lineup. We have a lot of doubts about Isaiah Stewart at the four. But if you're going to take away a big positive in that department from last night, I think both of those things were a very, very good sign for the future. We need to see more of it, but it's a great start.
2: Aaron, what is uh, one
0: one positive that you took away from this game last night? The positive that I'll take, not st- not sticking with a particular player, but sticking with the team, is that the team fought back after putting themselves in a pretty significant hole in that fourth quarter. And yes, Cade Cunningham definitely led that, but there were other players that played a major, major role in making that comeback possible. And, you know, Monty Williams got pretty stingy with his rotation down the line. The bench minutes, I mean, really outside of Alec Burks, who played a large majority of his minutes in the second half, he played his starters a lot in in the last 16 or so minutes of the game outside of Asar Thompson. And the group responded The group played well, and I liked that they didn't just give up. They fought and had a chance to win the game. And when you're a young team like this on the road, first night of the season, you're playing the Eastern Conference champions of last season. For them to show this fight and scratch and claw their way back, like this is not something that the Pistons would have done last year. They would not have been able to come back. And, and compete in the game the way that they did. And for me, the way that they bared down defensively, the way that they really did a nice job of taking care of the basketball after, you know, uh, uh, just a ton of first half turnovers uh, that stood out to me where they, they, they made some adjustments they the guys bought into the game plan and they just played a lot better and stayed in the game. And, Uh, That was my that was probably one of my biggest positives, trying to not just talk about one specific player. I was really happy with the way that the team stayed in the game, despite it looking like here's a 20 point lead for Miami with nine and a half left. Let's uh, pack it up and go home and start unloading.
1: Mike, I know you want to get to the negatives. I have a quick question for you guys. You know, especially, Aaron, you're talking about Monty Williams playing his starter so heavily along with Alec Burks for the last, uh, you know, what, 12 minutes or so of the game. How did you guys feel about Monty Williams last night? Because there were a few things that really stood out to me, especially in terms of his rotations. I know last year we complained all the time about Dwayne Casey playing these all bench minutes. I believe last night it was only in the first half for like two minutes that Monty Williams threw out an all bench lineup. And that was just about it. And I think a big reason for that was, you know, Jalen Durant picking up two quick fouls. Um, You know, we talked about also 14 turnovers in the first half, only two in the second half. Were there any other things that stood out to you guys about Monty Williams and what he did for this team in the first game? Obviously we need to see more, but I definitely thought there were some some different things that he showed for Dwayne Casey.
0: I'm glad that he went away from the all bench lineup in the second half because those minutes weren't good in the first half. So they needed to to get away from playing the five bench guys together. And in the second half, they didn't do it and the results were much better. I I don't necessarily want to get on Monty Williams after one game and start talking about his rotations. Um, I didn't understand Killian Hayes closing last night, playing, you know, the large majority of the fourth quarter as in turn, Asar Thompson played the first seven, eight minutes of the third quarter and didn't get back in the game. And despite Asar shooting one of seven, I thought he was having a really, really positive impact when he was on the court. So I didn't necessarily love that Thompson rode the pine when I thought he was playing better than Hayes, who you know, yeah, he scored more points. He had 10 points, but he was 4-12 from the field, oh six 6 from the three-point line. Like, he did not play well last night, and I thought Thompson was having a sound impact. And I understand why he wanted Burks on the court down the stretch, because even though Burks didn't have a great shooting game, it was the threat of leaving him open that was something Miami had to keep in mind. And, you know, I, I, so I understand why Burks was in. I would have liked to seen Asar... Get some of those minutes from Killian. I just thought star was playing well, and and I thought he deserved to be on the court for the impact he was having. But I, I really can't nitpick one game from Monty Williams, especially after seeing the way that the team competed and the, and and really the way that the team adjusted after all those turnovers in the first quarter, and then going down twenty in the fourth. The way that they adjusted and, and stayed in the game, I, I can't nitpick him for for what he did.
2: Yeah, I I sort of agree with Aaron. It's 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 early um to sort of look at the rotation. I you know, I honestly can't even glean too much from it. I am glad we didn't see James Wiseman in the game. I thought Bagley played pretty well in the preseason and earned that right to be the primary backup, big, and he rewarded that trust with a pretty solid Bagley game. I mean, he had eight, eight, and three in sixteen minutes. Marcus Sasser looked pretty good. I mean, maybe the only thing I could take away is like he, you know, he trusted going to Sasser for ten minutes. Joe Harris played eleven minutes. Sasser was three for four from the floor, including hitting two threes. I mean, he looks like a not not to use a NBA Twitter term. He 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 really looks like a baller. Um, I don't. know. I don't know. I I didn't understand not playing a SAR down the stretch either. And Killian Hayes was, I mean, he was having maybe an okay game. I mean, he shot poorly, but we've kind of come to expect that. He was zero for six from deep. He did have two steals, but it would have been nice to see Thompson continue playing given that he, he was having a good game and, you know, sh- shooting be damned. He still had seven boards, three assists, five blocks. He, you know, he was very impactful when he was on the court, even if it wasn't scoring. But, um, yeah, a little, I, I, little I, early to, like, fully judge.
1: I will say this. I mean, look, Asar was a, a team load minus 14 last night. And, and a big part of that comes because he was on the bench for that fourth quarter comeback. But the way I see it, something that seems very clear to me with Monty Williams, and shoot, we saw it e- even in, you know, Phoenix uh, with DeAndre Ayton, where he really has to trust you and a big part of that trust comes with you know what you can do on the court I, I think for me the reason why Asar was on the bench and I agree I would have maybe played him a couple more minutes in lieu of Killian Hayes that being said I think that as of right now Monty Williams trusts Killian with the ball in his hands more in terms of like as a passer I think that he just you know Killian's a, a a vet and Asar is a rookie and uh, he did really look like a rookie offensively at times i think he could have had you know four or five assists there there was a couple that i think Isaiah Stewart uh missed from him that that could have could have and should have been converted upon but he didn't necessarily look super comfortable with the ball in his hands um, and it's harder to trust him as a shooter right now. It's not that Killian Hayes played so well. I think, though, that's kind of what it came down to. And like you said, Mike, and I think this is where we're going to get into our negatives, you know, guys like Jaden Ivey, Joe Harris, did not get all that much playing time last night. And another guy that we've talked about as well, James Wiseman, got none. And I think that that is very telling in and of itself as well, because, frankly, Marvin Bagley outplayed him for all of preseason and kind of paid it off last night he looked pretty darn good against and admittedly overmatched Miami backup uh frontline
0: I think it's important that we go back to Jaden Ivey here because I think yesterday was a clear opportunity for him to show hey you're you're bringing me in off the bench this is what you're missing in the starting lineup and to be quite frank, the body language was worrisome. Uh, it, it looks like the decision is, is in his head, and that's unfortunate. And maybe it's not the case. Maybe there's something else going on that we don't know about. But from what we can glean from a public standpoint is that Jaden Ivey's not taking this whole situation very, very well. Uh, he came in off the bench and was forcing a ton was not moving the ball at all. And the one-of-seven shooting doesn't help that. Uh, there were defensive miscues, defensive miscommunication. He didn't prove Monty Williams wrong last night. He proved him right. And that's concerning because Jaden Ivey was spectacular last year. And we talk have talked about it at length that he was put in a very tough position last season once Cade went down and he made the absolute most of it so for him to be in this spot right now and with the team needing a boost offensively yesterday uh, to help Cade Cunningham specifically from a guard with the way that Killian was shooting and Alec Burks was shooting and obviously SR Thompson didn't shoot the ball well like there was a huge opportunity for Ivy and if he would have been playing better he would have been doing the more important thing than starting. He would have been closing the game and he just did not look good. You could feel the, the pressure he he either feels or the anger that he feels for the decision making and it was disappointing. You have to hope that this situation uh, is something Ivy can push himself through, that Monty Williams can coach him through and that Ivy can come out on the other side of this a better player. But last night was, at least in my eyes, concerning. It it just felt he was really trying to force things, and it was taking away from what the team was trying to do.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think it kind of says it all that we're talking about one of seven shooting a Sar Thompson versus four of 12 shooting uh, Killian Hayes to close out the game and didn't even mention jaden ivy as one of those guys in there um that that was very concerning he looked really bad last night there's just no way around it and we talked about it even in summer league that he just didn't look like jaden ivy and we kind of brushed that off as being like like ah you know it's summer league it doesn't really matter then he didn't really look like jaden ivy in the preseason and now I mean, last night was incredibly discouraging, incredibly discouraging. He didn't look good as a playmaker. He didn't look good as a scorer. He didn't look good as a ball handler. He didn't look good off ball. He didn't look good defensively. His body language was terrible. I mean, I think the one backdoor cut they gave up to Duncan Robinson, where, you know, he and Marcus Sasser were just not on the same page at all. And Duncan Robinson streaking to the rim and he's just pointing at him. And I I don't know if that was him or Sasser but the miscommunications were myriad. And yeah, frankly, he just did not look up to the task last night. I am hoping, hoping that it's him being in his own head because the alternative is far worse than that. You can get over the mental aspect. Um, I mean, shoot. I joked on this podcast that maybe he's basketball Samson where like cutting his hair saps him of his strength. Um, Maybe that's the case. I'm hoping that's the case. If so, somebody get this man some keratin so he can grow that stuff back faster. Uh, last night was was just not good. Was just not good, Mike. I don't know if you have another perspective on it. There are other negatives I do want to talk about from last night, but I think Jaden Ivey for all of us would probably be number one. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah. It's it's definitely number one. Um, he had three turnovers in 17 minutes. He also had three fouls in 17 minutes. Yeah, you know, the shooting is not good. Um, I'm hoping that this is just a role adjustment and he's going through it mentally and, you know, trying to accept a different role on this team as the sixth man. First man, I guess in this instance, probably the second man off the bench because Burks had more minutes than him, but Definitely concerning to see the poor body language and the the inability to make an impact, even in 17 minutes of play. I also am concerned in that when you get some of these guys healthy again, the Monty says the Boyan Plagdanovich is back, plus the trust that Williams has in in Burks as a vet off the bench. What that's going to do to Nivy Is going to is it going to make it more difficult for him to stand out? Is he going to you know continue to see his minutes sit at about seventeen minutes per game? Um, and how is that going to impact his psyche? You know, as 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 he tries to carve out a role, um, it's it's definitely concerning. Again, it's it's only one game, um, but you have to be discouraged by what you saw out of a player that just a couple of months ago we were talking about making massive strides as a shooter and a playmaker, you know, that is kind of what we leaned on coming into the season as, as being a thing that allows Kate Cunningham to sort of play more off ball and, you know, have a different role in and of himself. I mean, he played a lot at small forward yesterday, according to cleaning the glass. I mean, whatever that means, but or you know, however they track that, but I do not have that same level of confidence after yesterday's game. It does not seem like that that's of you know a feasible path forward right now. So hopefully, with a different matchup, with a little bit more confidence and some more time coming off the bench, and a little bit of backing from Monty Williams, he'll come out a little bit better against Charlotte. Um, but I, I I do worry that once you get Morris back and once you get Bogdanovich back, that it's going to be difficult for Ivy to, or it's, it's going to be the same level of difficulty, rather, for him to, you know, carve out a role off the bench, um, just given what we know about Williams and, and how how he likes going to Burks and, and how he's praised Killian Hayes all preseason as, you know, as making meaningful strides. But um, Jasper, what what is another negative that you wanted to talk about?
1: I would have to say, for me, Joe Harris last night was a definite negative. He did not look good. He had a couple really good three-point looks that he just could not convert upon. Uh, didn't look good defensively. Was not an off-ball threat either. The cutting was not especially impressive. He looked okay in preseason. You know, he had a couple couple decent games. Uh, but last night was definitely a negative from me, and we are going to talk about, at the end of this podcast, uh, about some of the injuries. One of the biggest, if not the biggest, injury to Detroit right now is Boyan Bogdanovich uh, being out. He is their best shooter. He is a key player for them on the wing. And Joe Harris, a guy who is their second highest player this year, was brought in this offseason to be an off-ball shooter for Detroit and now is a player that they desperately need to space the floor. Now that Bogdanovich is out, he was not effective last night. And I think that that is something that should be very concerning for Monty Williams and the coaching staff as a whole, because without Bogdanovich, without Monty Morris, who is a decent three-point shooter, and you know they need Joe Harris to be an effective player. If he can't do that, they are going to have some real problems against teams. Uh, they need his shooting to be better. Last night was definitely not it. On the upside, I guess Marcus Sasser looked good in, in terms of shooting. That was a, definitely a positive. But you shouldn't be relying on a rookie in Marcus Sasser for that level of shooting game in and game out. Joe Harris has to be better. He was not, not even close to good enough last night. I mean... You know, he was probably the only player on the floor who was worse than Jaden Ivey. I I would say that he was even less impactful. I don't know. It's a toss-up for me, but neither guy looked good. Um, Joe Harris has to sort it out if this team is going to win any games when Boyan Bogdanovich is still out with his injury.
2: Aaron? I mean, it's pretty clear that, I mean, Jasper, to answer your question, I think Harris was definitely less impactful than Jane Ivy definitely um, at least Ivy scored and had a couple of assists uh, Harris was 0 for 2 from the floor and that's it otherwise he was just getting cardio out there Aaron uh, any any negative that stood out to you um, you can even do one that we've already covered whether it's Ivy or Harris or James Wiseman
0: not getting any minutes I mean the, the last thing that I'll point out on the negative side and it's something that, it's 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 so clear on, on my end. I don't understand where the disconnect is with the with the coaching staff and within the organization. But the starting lineup the Pistons rolled out with four non shooters. I get Isaiah Stewart shot two or three from the three point line. Um, it's one game in. I take that, Aaron. Yeah, literally every time he, he those first two threes that he made, I could just feel like. Someone out in that world thought of me when Isaiah Stewart made those two three pointers each time. So yeah, it was me. Problem is, and, and this is from Sam Buccini, uh, Cade, Kate Cunningham, Killian Hayes, Sar Thompson, Isaiah Stewart, Jalen Dern starting lineup had a offensive rating of 93 and a minus 20 net rating in 13 minutes. It's just not a lineup that's going to work. Um, Hopefully it looks better when the Pistons can play someone other than Killian Hayes with those four guys. But I just really have my concerns uh, with putting so many non-shooters around Cade. It really feels like you're doing a disservice to him. That's my biggest negative for sure is that lineup wasn't great. The problem is guys are injured, and the guys that are healthy and can play that are supposed to be shooters struggled to shoot the ball last night. Joe Harris, uh, Alec Burks, I'll toss Jaden Ivy in there as well just because he can, in theory, do some do some f- floor spacing. Um, but that's th- that lineup's just not going to work. I get why, in theory, you maybe want Killian Hayes out there, but I really think the Pistons are going to have to put another floor spacer in that starting lineup to open up the court for Cade uh it was just so disappointing every time Cunningham tried to get downhill and I think not that Cade's a, a good at necessarily get, drawing contact and, and getting uh to the free throw line but it was even it was pretty much impossible for him to do it last night unless he got followed on a jump shot because the defense for Miami did what I would imagine every defense is going to do and just drop into the paint with when Cunningham has the ball. Uh, and that is the lineup that Detroit has out on the court. They left Isaiah Stewart open every time they'd leave us Thompson open. They would leave Killian Hayes open. They didn't want to give Cade a shot inside. And it's easy for a defense to do what Miami did when those are the players that are on the court alongside him. So I just think it's something that Detroit is at some point going to have to look at. And and maybe when Bogdanovich returns, even though that's going to be a long time from now, uh, it looks a little bit different. But in the immediate, I, I think Detroit has to consider changes.
1: I, it's, you know, this is the problem with these early season games because these lineup numbers, they hint to the problems, but they don't answer them yet. Because you're absolutely right. Like that starting lineup was not good enough. But when you replace the start thompson with alec burks and the nine minutes that him hayes stewart cunningham and Durin played together they had a net rating of <laughs> plus 105.9 oh, yeah uh- you know what i mean <laughs> and so that that exactly it begs the question like what's the noise here what's the issue is the issue right. that they are lacking a a floor spacer because you know if Boyan bogdanovich comes back and you replace say a Sar thompson or killian hayes with him okay, do you have enough shooting to carry you over the top to where you can play that hard-nosed defense, get those rebounds with Stewart and Durin? Um, Or is it the problem that, you know, you have Isaiah Stewart out there playing the four? We saw it last night. I mean, most of the Pistons' good open looks, especially the ones in the paint, came when Cade Cunningham got doubled. The, the Miami Heat did pretty well when they were able to sit back, play one-on-one, and make Cade make tough jumpers versus you know doubling up on him and leaving Stewart and Duran open to the post where they could convert on those easy shots. Another issue too is like Isaiah Stewart post ups. Holy crap! No, no, they cannot continue. No. I mean they just cannot continue. Last night was, I mean, there was a co- two of them were hilarious. They were not even close. Uh, he doesn't look like he's knowing knows what he's doing out there. The guy was 7th percentile last year of all qualified NBA players in post-ups. He was the 13th worst in the league. In the league, 7th percentile. Those cannot continue either. So, unfortunately, there's just a lot of noise around the Pistons lineups right now. I don't really know what the answer is, but I'm with you, Aaron. I do agree you cannot throw a five-man lineup of of Hayes, Stewart, Cunningham, Duran, and Asar out there right now. There is just not enough shooting. It's not going to work. I don't know what the answer is at this point, but there has to be something that changes, especially with Bogdanovich out for at least another month. It's just not tenable in the meantime.
2: I love early season data like this because uh for for the stat that you just had that lineup uh jasper had a defensive rating of (laughs) 52.9 uh in 17 possessions well that's what happens
1: when you replace a sar thompson with defensive maestro alec
2: clearly it uh, uh cuts the defensive rating by like 60 points and then the third best lineup was sasser ivy Burks, Harris, and Bagley of the five, which was plus 44.6 because obviously Ivy and Harris were carrying on offense with yeah, that line. Yeah, they had, I, they had I just, four I just, lockdown I just defenders.
1: <laughs> Joe Harris, Alec Burks, Marvin Bagley, Jaden Ivy. You can't score on these guys. Yeah, it's
2: Joe Harris, who just 18 months ago looked like Frankenstein on the court because of his ankle injuries. Yes. Um, early season lineup data is is just hilarious, but I, I mean, I, I think the overarching theme is is there. It's just not tenable shooting wise, and you could see um, defenses collapse on Cade the moment he steps into the paint, knowing that there's not enough shooting around him. And, and you know maybe Bogdanovich coming back will will you know rectify that problem. But uh, we'll have to see. And and in fact, we're going to be having to wait several weeks. Uh, in. Until Bogdanovich is even evaluated to come back onto the floor, uh, I don't have it pulled up. Is it a? Is it four weeks and reevaluated? Four, four, and three for Monty yeah, Morris. Yes,
1: it's four weeks and then reevaluated for Bogdanovich. Monty Morris three weeks, uh, and I believe we're still in that same range with Isaiah Livers. I mean, yeah,
2: I think it's three to four for him as well.
1: I think it's even going to be more. When it came out, it was eight. You know, six to eight weeks, and that Correct. was two weeks ago. So right. I Yeah, we're still looking at four to six weeks for, for Isaiah Livers. And that's tough because those are – I mean, there's three, an argument.
2: That's three shooters. That's probably your three best shooters. I was
1: going to say, there's an argument to be made that, you know, depending on what happens with Joe Harris, those are your three best shooters on the entire team. So that's a and big, big issue. Big issue.
0: The other thing that I'll say here is this is just for them to be reevaluated. Like – Odds are, if they're reevaluated and they say, okay, they're good, there's going to be a ramp-up period for Bogdanovich, who didn't go through training camp, for Monty Morris, who did not go through most of training camp, for Isaiah Livers, who did not go through training camp. So it's not even a, okay, in four weeks we're going to look at them, and if we say they're good, they're coming right back. There's going to be a ramp-up process as well here. So you're missing them, not just for the first month of the season, but probably closer to two months. I mean – as far as
1: Bogdanovich goes too, we don't know, but there's a. It seems somewhat likely this is his injury from last year that's still ongoing. Like there's no indication that he injured himself during the off season. Um, there's a lot of reason to believe that this is the same lower body injury that cost him the end of last season that has continued into this season. So we have no idea how long-term of an issue this is at this point. Like you said, reevaluate in four weeks. Who even knows if he's ramping up in four weeks? Um, to me, that's very...
2: Yeah, a 34-and-a-half-year-old uh, forward that has a history of some lingering injuries uh, coming back in four weeks is not going to happen. It It is probably going to be an extra two weeks after that um, until he's even ready to... You know, get onto a court and play meaningful minutes. So, super disappointing. Um, as as one of the few floor spacers on the roster, um, just have to keep waiting. Um, along with him and with Livers and and with Monty Morris, you know, with with Morris because I, I I touched on it a little bit with and Ivy. Monty Morris was a you know he is a good veteran backup point guard. Um. Has has been for quite a while, pretty efficient. Any any thoughts on the guard rotation, you know, while he's out or or even after he comes back and how that's going to impact things? Because Killian Hayes got 30 minutes yesterday. Ivy got 17. Sasser seems like if he keeps shooting, he's going to force his his way into the discussion of of getting some minutes at one of the guard spots. Any any thoughts on that once Morris is healthy and able to come back? Cause he's, you know he's not a Corey Joseph where you're kind of fearing him getting into the game as, as that savvy vet backup point guard. I think that Morris is, is probably considerably better than, than what we were getting out of Corey Joseph last year.
0: Look, I I, I don't see a world where Monty Morris isn't in the rotation when he's back. He was a, he has been a very, very good backup point guard. I think that in a world where Bogdanovich is still out, by the time Morris comes back, there's a world where Monty Morris could are, should arguably be in the starting lineup. If if Mo, if Monty Williams wants to continue this, you know, having another ball handler alongside Cade, I, I would argue Monty Morris would be a much better fit than Killian Hayes because Morris is just as good of a, a distributor, a, a, a floor general, and he's going to be able to shoot the ball. Uh, at a much better clip than Killian Hayes can. So uh, I think Morris is going to be, will be, and needs to be in the rotation when he's able to come back. Uh, I think that it's really going to be, at least what it seems to be, is there's a competition for the guard minutes, and no one has uh, really a guaranteed spot outside uh, of Kate Cunningham. Like, if Killian isn't playing well, I don't see Killian being in the rotation. If Marcus Sasser isn't playing well, I don't see Marcus Sasser being in the rotation. I I would imagine Ivy is going to be in the rotation somewhere. Uh, it could be in the starting lineup if he figures things out. But for now, he's coming off the bench. Like Morris is going to help this team right away when he comes back, just because they need someone with his skill set uh available and I just don't see how he's not in the rotation when he comes back. I think he's just a proven commodity. Uh, whereas guys like Sasser and Killian Hayes are just going to have to continue to earn it on a nightly basis. Whereas we know Morris is going to help this team when he comes back.
1: I- I'm going to be honest with you, man. I, I think Jaden Ivy needs to get his act together, unfortunately in the next couple of weeks, because last night the Pistons ran with, five guards and he was the worst of them. Um, I'm not saying he's going to be out of the rotation. I just, I don't think you can do that as an organization draft a guy number five overall. And then because he's struggling to open the season the next year, you know, you, you don't give him playing time at all. I mean, that, that to me would be quite, quite an indictment of Jaden Ivy right there. But look, if Marcus Sasser plays the way he did last night, and frankly did throughout Summer League and preseason, where he showed that ability to be explosive offensively in very short minutes and not make, you know, a lot of mistakes, I definitely think you have to make room for him in the rotation. Alec Burks, as long as he's on the team, has to be in the rotation. And like you said, maybe the minutes come at the expense of Killian Hayes, but monty williams has proven time and time again that he's going to roll with the guys he trusts and he clearly trusts killian hayes as a ball handler as a defender whatever it may be he trusts him and i don't think that unless killian completely is unplayable offensively i don't think his minutes are going away so maybe the solution is if joe harris isn't playing well you know, maybe you take away his minutes, you move Burks down to the three, and you roll with small lineups as your backup unit of Sasser, uh, Ivy, Burks, and, you know, maybe, and then and then Monty Morris. I think that that's, that's hard. That's really hard to pull off, but you might have to do it in order to find those guys playing times. It's just going to be really difficult for Monty Williams to find the minutes here because you have six guards in your lineup that, as of right now, probably all deserve playing time. Like I said, a lot of it is dependent on Marcus Sasser continuing to be this kind of explosive offensive option off the bench, but it's not going to be an easy task to find the minutes once Marcus Morris comes back because, like, I I know he's not sexy, but the guy is just, he's too good of a player to not be in this rotation. I'm sorry. Like, there's nobody I see outside of Cade Cunningham that absolutely positively has proven they deserve those minutes over Mark uh, Monty Morris. Um, He's not going to turn over the ball. He's going to give you good defensive minutes. That kind of seems like it's what Monty Williams wants from his off guard. I I didn't think about it, Aaron, but you're absolutely right. There's a real argument to be made that he should be starting next to Kate Cunningham when he returns.
2: Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I mean, the shooting is so so sparse on this roster that Monty Williams might just kind of be stuck. And it's going to be an evolving situation, I, I think, with who's going to be playing the most next to Cade Cunningham. Because, again, like you guys alluded to, it's going to depend on the play of Sasser. It's going to depend on the play of Killian Hayes. It's going to depend on if Jay Nivey can start to figure some things out. But Monty Morris is a pretty... High floor, maybe, maybe not super low ceiling, but it's not a high ceiling. But 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 his floor is pretty safe as a vet next to Cade, and and you know there is a scenario where Monty Williams, you know, wants to wants to just roll, roll with things with the vet next to him in a very Dwayne Casey like way. I mean, love and, and and I would understand if if you
1: want a guy who doesn't turn over the ball. Monty Will Monty Morris averages for his career pointing turnovers per game. If you need somebody next to Cade to provide that spacing because you're limited with Asar and Durin and Isaiah Stewart in your front court, Monty Morris is a career uh what 39% from three-point land. So it makes a lot of sense with what you need from your starting lineup and what Monty Williams is looking for from his starters to play Monty Morris next to Cade Cunningham, I I really do think that it's more than just like a viable option. I think it might be a necessity just looking at how the spacing in that starting lineup was in that first game.
0: Yeah. Um, I just think it gives them a better floor spacing opportunity. It gives them a guy that, you know, can take care of the basketball, set things up for others. And I mean, heck man, that starting lineup Detroit put on the court yesterday was so, so young and, it was surprising because Monty Williams talked about how much he wanted to integrate youth with the veterans on this roster. So it was a little surprising to see him go with that young of a lineup. Putting Morris out there gives them a guy with a ton of experience playing for playoff teams with high level players. Uh, I just think with his skill set, with his experience, it makes a lot of sense. You, He's a guy that optimizes the lineup for Cade Cunningham, which is the most important piece. Like, no, he's not a a 25 point per game, big time score, big time player, but it's going, he's going to make life easier for Cade Cunningham. And that is the most important thing the Pistons can do right now is make life easier, optimize the game, optimize the lineups for Cunningham. And, and, and Morris is a, a, a hand in glove fit. When you think of that, it would also kind of go in line with what Monty Williams did in Phoenix playing Chris, with, with having Chris Paul and Devin Booker. Like, yes, Devin Booker can handle the ball a lot and he can initiate offense, but, to put another guard out there that that can handle the ball that can shoot and and not going to turn the ball over a ton and just be like a a figurehead out there a floor general and and Morris can can certainly do that as well obviously not the same player that Chris Paul was but still is going to help them and 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 the fit is is easy to make
1: I I think the perfect example actually last night of why you would want Monty Morris out there playing for you would be the final play of the game where the Miami Heat did not even look at Killian Hayes as the inbounder to get the ball back. He was just 0% a threat to them. Monty Morris is not exactly lighting up the score sheet, but having him as the inbounder for that final play versus a Killian Hayes would at least give the defense something more to think about, would give Cade Cunningham a threat to pass the ball back to if they were to continue to double-team him. Um, I think that that definitely definitely would be something that Monty Williams has to keep in mind,
2: guys. This was, this has been a great podcast. I think I think this has been the most free flowing pod that we've had maybe ever. Do you guys have any any other thoughts on Detroit's narrow defeat last night at the hands of the Miami Heat? You know, I think I think overall it was a. Good experience. I didn't mean to cut you off, Aaron. Sorry there. I think overall, I mean, that's hopefully more of this uh, type of game because this is a game where last year or the year before, Aaron, like you said earlier, the Pistons get down like 19 points. You can start writing. Um, they did not have the tenacity to make any sort of comeback. It was very unlikely. I think this time around you have a squad that is definitely more capable of of making some comebacks um, And playing tough To the bitter end, whether that's the personnel Or that's because of Monty Williams But overall, again, I think if if You had told me Like two or three weeks ago that Without Bogdanovich or Monty Morris, the Pistons Nearly beat The Heat on their home court The defending Eastern Conference Champions, and Cade puts up 30 I'd say, holy crap, we are, we are in for At least a compelling season, maybe not a good season in terms of wins and loss, but at least a
0: compelling season. I I think the Pistons can look back at last night's game and, and, and learn a lot. Like they can look back and say, if we don't turn the ball over nine times in the first quarter, we win that ball game. Like very easily actionable items for Detroit to take a look back at and say, this is where we lost the game. This is where we dug ourselves our holes. These are the things that we did well to recover. These are the things that we did differently in the second half. These are the things we did differently in the last 10 minutes of the game. And this is what we need to do. This is how we need to play. These are the guys doing what we need for this team to, to compete and win ball games. So, yes, it's only one game. You can only talk about it so much. You can only take so much from the data. You can only take so much from the lineups. But when you look at the film, you can see where things went right. Where things went wrong, and for Detroit to have so much go wrong yesterday, it seems like with the turnovers, with the bad shooting across the board, uh, with a lot of the injuries that this team's already dealing with, there's a lot Detroit can look at and say, "Okay, here's what we did. Here's what we can do," and 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 immediately see better results. So, uh, it was a good. It was honestly a good game to to watch. A pleasurable. A uh, viewing experience uh, I was not going into the game with high expectations I, I did have Pistons plus nine and a half for for my gamblers out there a uh, little little look ahead the Friday night game in Charlotte or against Charlotte um, Pistons money line like I think it's playable at I, I, the spreads four, like you can play the spread the Pistons money line at plus 150 with the way that they played against Miami uh charlotte is also coming off in off a win so you know maybe there are there's uh you know some deference there but i i think i'll be looking at pistons money line for for my gambling people out there for the friday night game uh not to 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 get ahead but that's what i thought from uh the game last night and and hopefully the pistons are able to adjust moving forward
1: uh, that's well said, Aaron. I-, I definitely think that's the biggest thing you should be taking away from last night's game. Was it perfect? No. Were there a lot of negatives? Yup. Did they win? No. But what they had last night was something that I did not see last year for much of the season, and even the year before, it was learning. There were learning moments throughout that entire game, and there were Times that you could look at, plays that you could look at, situations, lineups that you could look at where you go, well, if they had done this a little differently, they had done this, they had cut down on the turnovers, if they had played this guy in this situation, they really easily could have won that game. And I think about the last two seasons where there were so many losses for this team that there was just nothing to take away from. As a team, there were individual things to take away from. Oh, Jaden Ivey played well. Oh, you know, uh, you know, the Marvin Bagley had a good game. Which, by the way, I'll give Marvin Bagley a shout out. He did have a good game last night, and I, I, I think that you know he's doing a really good job of solidifying himself as the main option for Detroit off the bench for their bigs. Um, I, I think it's crucial for him to outplay James Wiseman the rest of the way. There were just so many team times that last season, though, you couldn't take anything away from from the loss. You just went, the Pistons didn't have the talent. The Pistons didn't show up tonight. Last night was not that same thing. What you want from this season, because I think we're still in the same place where we're not anticipating this team making the playoffs, probably not even the play-in, but what you want to see is growth as a team. What you want to see are games, losses, wins, where you can look back at them and say, hey, this is what we can do better. This is what we can tweak. And when we do that, we can make that leap into winning games, into being contention for every single matchup to be in a place where you don't have to look back at those games and say, hey, this is what we did wrong and lost, where you can look back at them and say, hey, this is what we did right and we won. When I look at last night's game, yes, it's the first game of the season. But that is the number one thing I'm taking away from it. Learnable, teachable losses. Things that make you better as a team. Ways that you can grow as a roster. I didn't see a lot of that the last couple years. I did last night. I think for me, that was incredibly
2: We could dust off the Tyloo quote. uh, There's no wins and losses, it's wins and lessons.
1: Wow, that's beautiful. Brings a tear to my. He was fired six games, a eye, he... six games later. Tear to my eye. fired six games <laughs> later. Yeah. Is this and your then, way uh... of telling me I'm off the podcast, Michael?
2: No, 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 no. Oh, Michael, what the? Wow, that. Yeah, that really. Came oh. The there. Yeah. Well, uh, you know i lost a core gonna... memory of being yelled at when I was eight. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Michael <laughs> Angulano the third. Young oh. man, you are in trouble.
2: Ooh, don't don't even throw the Raymond in there in the middle. That's uh that's some that's some deep stuff um yeah wins and lessons uh will probably be the i think it's been the theme for the last like 4 years but now now i think you're actually learning like meaningful things with you know a championship caliber coach and a lot of good young players and yeah it's uh it's it's going to be an interesting season if if that game is any indication it's going to be a lot more competitive uh, than, than, than what we're used to seeing, Aaron, I, I, I will give you the last, the
0: last word. Oh, I feel like I've, I've talked so much on this podcast and we all have talked so much. I think we've been going for like an hour and a half. It wouldn't surprise me, but I I know I, I spent a lot of time on my, in the last few minutes that I talked about, I got all over the place. I even started talking gambling. So I'm going to, Oh, that's true. You did. I forgot about that and say, look, long season ahead there's going to be a lot to talk about i hope you're sticking with us here at palace of pistons we've got content on the website i know jasper has an article that it is coming out here shortly might even be out by the time you're listening to this show uh we Could have be. a lot of content across the board uh, make sure you're following us on all of our socials at palace of pistons on x make sure you are following the page on facebook we're not super active on instagram but you should be following us there anyways Um, And then obviously, you can follow each of us on X as well. My handle is at A Johnson NBA. Oh, wow. We're just plugging everything. (laughs) Oh, we're
1: plugging? Let me, wait, a plug. I'm going to plug this. Check out the new Chris Crack album, All My Friends Are Dead, two tracks produced by me, myself, and I. It has nothing to do with Pistons, but whatever. We're plugging, baby. Uh, Black Lives (laughs) Matter was a scam, putting all my bills in Jesus' name, both produced by yours truly. So check those out too. Why not?
2: Okay. Sounds, sounds good. This is the plug hour of the podcast. Aaron, you called yesterday's game a pleasurable experience. I hope that this podcast was a pleasurable listening experience for all of those people that are, are now a little more excited for Pistons basketball this year after a, an exciting first game. We hope there'll be a lot more like them and uh, you know, a couple more wins scattered here and there will be, will be awfully nice to see, but the future if yes, is any indication, future is obviously uh, looking a little bit brighter. So that's going to do it for this edition of the Palace of Pistons podcast. I'd like to thank my co-hosts, Aaron Johnson, Jasper Apollonia, as always, for joining me. Uh, and once again, I'd like to thank our sponsor for this week. That would be Bet Online. Thank you to them for sponsoring this episode of the show. I am Mike Engbolano. Thank you so much for joining us on this edition of the Palace of Pistons podcast. And we will see you all next time